Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 163, our Sunday worship service for May 3rd, 2020, is Make the Connection. It's the third in the series, Pray Like This. When we pray, who's in charge? Okay, so our scripture today is Matthew 6, 10, and I know you know this one. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say it all the time. We say it every week. And as you know, if you've been listening and watching the prayer series, you know that we've been working through the Lord's Prayer because it really is a blueprint for how the prayer process can work for you, how the prayer process can actually be something that's not just something you say, but something that makes a difference, something that you live. And so this is a big deal. But before we get any deeper into it, I want you to take a minute and think about how you feel Think about what comes to mind for you when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Might bring up some stuff for you. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that that come from that. I think we've gotten past the place where you're supposed, okay, I say this stuff at the beginning, the Our Father part, I know I'm supposed to say those things. We talked a lot about that last week. But it might be that there's other things that happen. I think sometimes when people think about the, the thy kingdom come, it feels like some kind of a end of the world kind of a thing. You know, I, I don't know where you're from, but it, it very well may be that you grow up with a wait till your father comes home kind of a theology. And so maybe that idea feels like a prayer of God. Will you please show up and put an end to all of this foolishness or something along those lines? How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel knowing what we know about how Jesus did what Jesus did? How does that make you feel with the knowing that at no point was Jesus really interested in the bad guys getting beaten up? At no point did Jesus go, oh, I'll show you, you know, that kind of a thing. You guys are going to get it because Jesus is not a fifth grader. You know, there's a different kind of a theology evidenced by the way that he lived and the things that he said, and and even more fundamentally, by what you and I know to be true in our hearts, right? What if this is not what this is about? What if we can be the kind of Christians who don't spend all of our time enthusiastically rubbing our palms together at the thought that the people we don't like are going to get it? Because if revenge is on your mind, maybe it's time to get back to what Jesus did, because that wasn't his style at all. So I want to challenge you, when you think about this part of the Lord's Prayer, when you think about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we did that, but when you think about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I want to challenge you to stop thinking in terms of the end of something and start thinking in terms of the beginning of something. Because last week, we started thinking about this idea about who and what God is. And so the next step and the thing that has to happen before we can get any deeper into the prayer process, the next step, the thing that has to happen is, I want to put God first. That's what we're talking about right now. 
I want to, now that I know something about who and what God is, let my first prayer, before I get to all of the things that I want in my life, the winning lottery ticket and the job to work out and true love and all of those things that are fine things to want. But before I can want those things, my number one thing, the top of my wish list has got to be, God, let me see you happening right here. This is about putting God first. Now, the good news is, this is something that you're already doing. I mean, think about the things that you want. Think about the things that you know about people in your lives wanting, the things that people yearn for and strive for, the things that people look for, the deepest desires of our heart and the passing fancies and everything in between. At the end of the day, each and every person just wants something real, you know, something permanent, something that matters, something that lasts, something that has some meaning to it. That's what we all yearn for in one way or another. And for so many people, the human experience is just trying to find it. Looking for love, maybe in all the wrong places. I don't know how your story is gone and how your song is sung, but you know what I mean. One way or another, that's the thing that everybody wants is just something real. But here's the catch. We all have that call for something real, something deep. Ultimately, we have a yearning for God. But most of us don't know that that's what it is. And as a result, most of us try to satisfy that yearning for the timeless and the infinite in things that just aren't timeless and infinite. You know, the attention of somebody or a job or a status symbol or a a possession or a, a whatever it is. You know what I mean. That is looking for love in all the wrong places and it will get you to further wrong places. Maybe you've done that. I don't recommend you try it at home. But that's the thing. One of the keys to this whole part of the Lord's Prayer, and one of the reasons why Jesus writes it here, why before we can get any deeper into the prayer process, this has to happen, is we have to clear the decks and understand that God will happen for you to the degree that you let God happen for you. Now, we talk about this in one way or another all the time, but it's important to double down here. You can't get further in the prayer process until you understand that one of the things that we're praying about is for us to open our eyes a little wider and our hearts a little wider so that we can see this happening to a greater degree. This is why this step has to happen. Father, may I open up to something bigger than my own whims. That's what's on the table. That's what we're talking about right now. Let me put that a different way. If God is already perfect, we're going to do this algebra together, right? If God is already perfect and my life doesn't feel too perfect right now, who put the speed bump there? God? If there's a dysfunction in my life, it's kind of a mistake to assume that God is therefore dysfunctional. It doesn't work that way, right? Now, I don't want to get into a blame place. I don't want you to beat yourself up just because there's some part of your life that doesn't feel as functional as it ought to feel. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is it is a better thing to pray for when we start to pray for, God, can I just get out of your way? God, can I give something over? What if it's not about me getting what I want all the time? What if I let God expand those hopes and dreams into something bigger? You see why this has to happen now in the prayer process. This is so smart, so brilliant, the way this thing is written. It's an amazing thing. Let's get that out of the way. Because you know what it is to get the thing you want and find out that you didn't want it after all. You know about that. Right now, because of what's going on in the world, the whole corona thing, I think we're all aware that that we now know that we are very social people. 
I talked about this in one of my uh, Ask Dieter movies. We all know now that we're way more social than we thought. We kind of require other people, right? We know that we want community. And we also have this desire to be compassionate and take care of each other. And that's a beautiful thing. We've learned this. I think we've learned it kind of the hard way, but I'll take it, right? We've learned that we have a sense of community and we have a sense of compassion. And there's this short circuit that's happening right now because we can't get the thing that we want. And the thing that we want is I want to satisfy my compassion in the context of community. I want to get out and be with people, right? And you can't do that right now. Now, you can do the selfish thing and go out into the world and expose yourself to whatever and overwhelm the hospitals and do all of those very childish, petulant things because I want to do them because I want to do them and all of that. But we know better. But that's kind of the point. If God didn't cause the trouble, if there's trouble in my life, then I did it unknowingly. I didn't know any better. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. But what I am going to do is realize that that is the place where I can heal. And so the point of this part of the prayer process is Jesus saying, maybe it's not about what you want. And maybe it's about trying to be open to what God wants for you. That's what has to happen if you're going to grow spiritually. And so that's why at this point in the prayer process, the first line we get is, Thy kingdom come. Now, I want to be very clear that the verbiage is not someday the kingdom's going to come. The, the verbiage is not, God, will you please show up at some point? I got an Uber waiting. It's not that, right? It's thy kingdom come. Charles Fillmore says that the Lord's Prayer is a series of determined affirmations. And one of the things that that means is this is all in the present tense. Thy kingdom come means now means God is here now. Now think about what that means. Because for so long, for the people who were listening to Jesus talk then, and honestly, for people now, for so long, so much of this process has been, let's get ready for God to show up. Maybe we buy some throw pillows and run the Roomba before he gets here. Something like that, because at some point, God's going to get here. And there has been so much fighting and so much anxiety and so much anger and so much discord and so much heartbreak and so much hatred directed at one or another various parties because we're all trying to just wait for God to show up. And won't God be upset when God gets here? You know, that kind of thing. What does it change for you when you get the idea that thy kingdom come means now? What does it change for you if I tell you that God is already here? What does that change about your theology? What does that change about your prayer time? What does that change about what's on your heart? I mean, when Jesus showed up, people were waiting for a Messiah, and the idea that they had about the Messiah was this guy is going to come and beat everybody up. Remember your Palm Sunday lesson, right? They had this idea that the Messiah was going to come and force everybody to be good. Has that ever worked for you? Remember when you were a kid? Were you ever able to, did anybody ever force you to be good? Did it really land on your heart? Or did you do the bad thing the moment they weren't looking? You know what I mean? People had this idea that the Messiah was just going to come with a sword and just whip everybody into shape. And here's Jesus saying, this doesn't work like that at all. The kingdom doesn't come against your will because it's already here. The Messiah doesn't come against your will, here's Jesus saying, because... He's here. But here's the catch. 
Jesus demonstrates through his life and through his teaching that being saved isn't something that happens to you. Salvation is a participatory event, and I'm going to say that again. Salvation is a participatory event. You have a role to play in your unfoldment, in your growth. No one can save your soul except by teaching you something, by showing you something, and at the end of the day, you've got to agree with it if anything's going to change for you. That's what's on the table. That's what's being demonstrated here. And so, if thy kingdom come, if the Messiah, if all of this is a matter of right here and right now, what does that change for you? At the beginning of this is the idea that we must now pray with the idea of right here and right now and get done with the idea of someday. Can you change that? about your prayer vocabulary. Let us be the kind of people that, that, that success does not mean that we take dominion and make people do things our way. Here's the deal. If the meek really do inherit the earth, I read that somewhere. If the meek really do inherit the earth, then spiritual success, getting right with God, whatever you want to call it, has less to do with taking dominion and more to do with giving it up. This part of the prayer process is saying, God, I know that you're in charge. That's the thing, man. I mean, that's why the next line is, thy will be done. Not my will be done. Not God, here's what I want you to do for me, and trust me, this is going to work out great, which is how a lot of people pray. I've prayed that prayer. never worked for me, but I've prayed that prayer. Maybe you have too. But the next line is, thy will be done. And so the idea is, God, it is okay with me that I am not in charge of this. God, it is okay with me that you know best. Ask yourself, can it be okay with you that God's will is what's working here, that God's will is the active process? Can it be okay with you? Because that is this step of the prayer process. Be okay with the idea that you're not the boss. And that's okay. That's how all of this works when it works. I know that's a very different idea than the cultural value of, I'm going to get everybody to do things my way, but there's something really beautiful about getting out of the way of that and getting done with it. And once again, let's remember that this prayer is a present tense prayer. One more time. The Lord's Prayer is a series of determined affirmations. An affirmation means right now. Let's remember together that for God, everything is right here and everything is right now. So when Jesus says, thy will be done, let's remember that this is not him wishing for God's will to be done. If there was a place where God's will wouldn't, isn't being done, then it ain't God, right? God's in charge, period. Otherwise, it wouldn't be God, right? Thy will be done is another way of saying God's will is being carried out now. Now, that might be a tough thing to say because it's, it's tempting to go, yeah, yeah, but my life isn't so great. I don't like this thing that's going on. I'm hungry. This thing hurt. I hurt my leg. Whatever it is. How come? Is that God's will for this to not go completely smoothly all the time? It's a fair question. I get that. But think about this with me. God's will is being done right now to the degree and through the means that you let God happen in your life. 
So what I'm saying is think about your vocabulary, your paradigm. Think about the way that you look at your life. God can only happen for you to the degree that you make room for God to happen. That's why we've got to make room for God at the top of the prayer process. Once again, this is so smart. The order of this couldn't possibly be better. It's amazing. Think about your your vocabulary. I can't even say the word vocabulary. Think about your vocabulary of life. If you are a solver of problems, that's great, but doesn't that mean you always need problems? So God will happen for you through you overcoming a problem. I bet that's happened for you once or twice. It's happened for me because sometimes I get a lot of self-esteem from being the fixer daddy kind of a thing. But that also stinks because it means I need something to break for and fix it. For example, is your vocabulary of life that good things only happen if I have to fight for them? Well, then there's going to be a lot of fighting. Think about your vocabulary because that is what's on the table here to, uh, to fix. Can I get out of the way of, of, of it being something that I have to wait for? Can it be okay with me that God is happening right now? Because after all, what is God's will? I mean, last time, once again, the order is so great. Last time we talked about the idea that God is this loving parent, that you are created in love, that God sees you beautifully, that God sees you free, that that idea of good and very good that we just heard in the meditation is God's idea about you. (coughs) Excuse me. Think about what that means. What is God's will for you, after all, if it isn't good? Your God's whole business is to love you. God's whole business is to care for you. That's how this works. And so the prayer needs to be, God, can I get out of the way of your will? Now, previously, we talked about the idea of reform your God thought. Remember we said last week, get a bigger idea about God. That's great, and that's really important, but that's only step one. The next part of the process is reform your you thought. And here's what I mean by that. It's a beautiful thing to understand that when I think about God, I think about life and love and peace and power. And I think of that loving creator who just loves me. That's great. But the next step is, what do you think God thinks about about you? What's God's idea about you? Because your ability to experience miracles has everything to do with your idea about God and everything to do with your idea about God's idea about you. You can have a great big idea of God, and if you think God hates you or doesn't want to love you, good luck. You're going to have a very small aperture through which miracles can happen, right? Reform your God thought and get a better idea about what God sees when God sees you. You know, we talk a lot about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of that. Mind, idea, and expression, and all of that. But let me say all of that in a different way. Here's the Trinity of you. There's the truth about you, that divine spark, that thing that in the book of Genesis God said good and very good when Jesus says you're the salt and the light, all of that. There's that part of you, the truth with a capital T about you. And then there's how well you know it and then what happens as a result. The truth about you, how well you know it, and what happens as a result. If you want to fix what happens in your life, you've got to fix how well you know who you are. Sometimes people say, you know, I want to work on a new affirmation, a thing that I I carry with me throughout the day. Here's a good one. I know who I am. 
Try that. I know who I am. Because who you are is amazing when you let yourself be that. Can you change your idea about what God sees when God sees you? And can you get out of the way of it? Because the next line is on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that. Because the next line, the thing that has to happen for the prayer process to continue is, God, may it be the same way in my life as I know that it is in the perfect potential. God, can I get my stuff out of the way? God, can I have no barrier, no boundary? And so take a minute and ask yourself, okay, on earth as it is in heaven, well, how is it in heaven? Cloudy with a chance of halos? I mean, is that the whole deal? Just what you've seen on the coffee cups and in Renaissance art? That's great, but there's got to be more to it. Let's be the kind of people who don't have the idea that heaven is a place where I get to go and just do whatever I want. I mean, think about it. That's a lot of people's idea of this. But you got to know with me that exactly zero of what Jesus talked about would be any indication that you're ever going to get to a place of profound stagnation. Jesus never said, guys, you're going to get to this amazing steam bath in the sky where everybody can just sit around. Where's that written? That's not what's promised. Here's the deal. We are here to grow, and wherever we are, God is. Wherever we are, the kingdom of heaven is in our midst. And so what I'm trying to tell you is if God is infinite, then growth isn't going to stop. Stop trying to not grow. This is not about stagnation. This is about being so brave that we start listening to a voice inside of us instead of outside of us. A long time ago, I, I worked, you know, I have a day job. I'm a computer guy and all of that. A long time ago, I worked for a guy out in San Francisco. And he started this company. There was just like 12 of us in this little room in San Francisco doing computer stuff. And he had worked with Steve Jobs, you know, the Apple guy before. And he was a real hot shot, real smart guy. And it was a pleasure to just be around him and listen to his ideas. And it was a little intimidating, if I'm honest. And it was wonderful in so many ways. And we worked and we worked and we worked at this company. And after a few years, that company got bought by Google. Perhaps you've heard of Google. And, you know, I did okay. It was one of those things. But our boss, he was already very, very wealthy. And he became very, very wealthier you know, done. Now, if you're the kind of person that subscribes to the cultural stereotype, you might think that the goal of life is to get to a place where you can stop doing anything. And so you might imagine that his next step in his story would be to just sit by the pool for the rest of forever because he's got lots of money. Think about what it means if you're doing the things that you do so you can quit doing them. I don't think that's a recipe for happiness. I mean, I, you know, we've all got bills to pay and, and things like that, but there are things that you do so that you can do more of them. I'm doing this right now because it's all I want to do, for example. Can there be things in your life that you just do to do? So anyway, I found out the other day, I had to share this with somebody, I found out the other day that this guy that started that company that got bought by Google and all of that stuff, you know what he's doing right now? He just started another company. He's doing it again. And it's not because of greed, because for one thing, I know the guy and that's not how he rolls, but more than that, he's got lots of money. And it's not because of some weird self-esteem thing. I promise that's not his deal. 
I know why he did it. He started another company and he's doing it again and he's in a little room somewhere with 12 guys starting over because he just wants to make something. Because he's got a calling that's bigger. Because anybody who was quote unquote smart would say, hey, just sit still, invest that money and sit back and order a Mai Tai or whatever. You know what I mean? But part of all of this has to do with, you know what, God, I'm not going to do the comfortable thing. I'm not going to do the socially acceptable thing. I'm not going to do the quote-unquote easy thing. I'm going to do the thing that stretches me. And it's not my idea. God, can I find your idea? That's what this part of the prayer process means on earth as it is in heaven. Now look, after we're done here talking, I want to encourage you to go get a piece of paper and a pencil and write down all the things that you know to be true about God. What are some things about God? And you might write down, well, I know God is love. I heard that in Sunday school. And I know that God created the universe, God, this and that and the other. God is God is my loving parent, the things that we love to talk about. Write those things down and make a big long list because God being infinite, there's a lot of things you can say, right? As you write them down, you'll become clear and clear. Well, these are things I used to believe, but I don't think that God angrily judges me. I've kind of outgrown that old idea. For example, you're going to start to make your list. But I want you to think about when you're done, all of those things that you know just because you know that they're true. All of those things that just feel so good. There's one thing that they all have in common. All of those words like life and love and freedom and peace and care, for example. The thing that all of those words have in common is they all have to do with now. They all have to do with here. They all have to do with the power of one. Because that's the thing. In God, there's just one. In God, there's just here and right now. Love, for example, is the power that only sees in terms of one, right? So one of the things that on earth as it is in heaven means is let me... Get done with double standards in my life. If I want to roll like a child of God, I've got to be the kind of person that doesn't make exceptions. Just love all the time. And that might be a high ideal, but you know what? We can get there. Just love. Think about your life because there's a lot of people who have a way that they behave around certain people, but those people, I don't like them because of how they look or how they vote or how much money they have or don't have or whatever it is. We're going to get past that. Everyone deserves your love. Some people have a way that they act when they hold back their good and their love for a rainy day, but wait a minute, isn't God infinite? Don't you want to tap into that or are you making less room for God? Let us be the kind of people who can tear down walls. That is what happens at the beginning of this. Let's review the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, that part is, God, I know that you are infinite, and now we have a sense of God, but now this next part of the prayer, the the, thy will be done, has to do with seeing, God, I want to see you in my life right here, and I let you be in charge, and I get done with anything that isn't in your prayer time this week. And I hope you're taking time every day. Pray with the idea that God is here and that God loves you. And pray with the idea that God knows best. I know you've got hopes and dreams and and all of that, and that's beautiful. And I know that when you think about all of the things that you aspire to, it might feel really scary because how am I going to get there and how am I going to resolve all of the little things that have to happen in order for for my life to work out, for all of those ducks to get in a row and all of that. But here's the thing I want you to know. The details are God's job. You know what your job is? 
Your job is to dream as big as you can because you have a calling. There is a truth and a fire in you that is big enough. Dream as big as you can, and I promise you, God's dream for you is even bigger. When God sees you, he sees life. You want life, get out of God's way and live. When God sees you, he sees love. You want love in your life, get out of God's way and love. When God sees you, he sees somebody who's free. And after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.